Oh my God. Guys, I am so ridiculously excited to be back on the airwaves with you. Welcome. Welcome, welcome to the very first episode of Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez Miranda. That would be me. You may know me as the author of my What If Year, ex-CEO, coffee-obsessed mom who left my job in 2020 to chase down all the unpursued paths of my life. Well, some of them, at least, in the form of internships at the dream jobs of my childhood. It set me on a new path, which changed my entire career and my life. And you can read all about it in my What If Year. I hope you will if you haven't already. So now I do kind of a smattering of things, including podcasting. I just wrapped up three seasons of Quit Your Day Job, where I had the very immense privilege to interview people that had incredible jobs. I loved doing that. But I kind of got to the point where I wanted to talk to my guests about more than their jobs. I wanted to talk to them about their lives. I wanted to give them ridiculous quizzes like the one you're about to hear. I just wanted the freedom to do and say all the different things that I felt like exploring with people, kind of like a talk show. And when I was out on my book tour earlier this year, a lot of people said to me, you should have a talk show, not just my mom, although she was one of them. So now I do. Isn't the internet a wonderful place? So what can you expect with Extra Shot this season? I got to be honest, I'm not 100% sure. I'm still recording episodes as we speak. I'm having a ton of fun. I am offering some advice. We are doing interviews, insights. But I got to say, I would love to hear from you about what you want to hear from me. So if you're listening, find me on Instagram and tell me what you're most interested in. If you've got any burning questions, ideas for segments... We are just going to have a great time here. Uh, And that's what Extra Shot is all about. Giving you that extra jolt of whatever you need to get through your day. So thank you so much for tuning in to my premiere. Now, before we jump in to the interview portion, I have to shout out to my amazing partner for this season, Evolve Me. Career transitions can feel overwhelming and isolating, especially in your 40s or 50s or 60s when life's twists and turns have impacted your career. I completely raise my hand to having felt that, hence many internships across 2020. So how do you figure out what's next and where do you start? So what is great is that you don't necessarily have to go and be an intern like me. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with Evolve Me this season, who are about to launch their next cohort of the Reinvention Collective on October 24th. Their Reinvention Collective is a live virtual 12-week training with a cohort of women that are committed to reinventing themselves professionally. It's genuinely the most comprehensive experience you can get to create your next, and some might say best, chapter in midlife. I wish I had something like this when I was on my what-if journey, but sharing it with you is the next best thing. So learn more and register at evolveme.work. You can find out everything about the Reinvention Collective there. Okay, let's get into it because I am so excited to introduce you to my guest today, acapella singer, former surgeon, writer extraordinaire, Anthony Chinqui. So Tony is a board-certified otolaryngologist. And if I said that wrong, I'm really sorry. What it means is an ear, nose, and throat surgeon. He's got degrees from Harvard University and Emory University School of Medicine. He's done multiple performances for The Moth, where he's won their local story slam, placed as a runner-up in the Detroit Grand Slam, 
and performed on their New York City main stage. Tony was a medical consultant for ABC's Grey's Anatomy and a member of the writing staff of Fox's The Resident for two seasons, distilling complex medical and social issues into palatable and understandable mainstream storylines. Tony and I went to college together, and when his memoir, I Can't Save You, came out earlier this year, I knew I had to have him on the podcast. It is a candid account of the ways in which medical residency training shattered the mind of an empathetic, well-intentioned doctor and the arduous task of piecing it back together again through painful and overdue self-discovery. It came out in April, and I have to say it is a beautiful book. It's sort of part memoir, part poetry even. It's got a gorgeous rhythm to it. It's heartbreaking and wonderful. And I was just so, so delighted when Tony was basically bullied by me into coming on the podcast. Tony actually currently resides in England with his wife and daughter. So he's a fellow expat at the moment like me. We're going to get into that on this interview. And I cannot wait for you to hear what he has to say. Tony, welcome to Extra Shot. Hey, thanks for having me, Alicia. I'm so, I'm so excited. Let's do it. I'm basically using this podcast as an opportunity to talk to my friends and have it recorded for posterity and the rest of the world to hear. I think that's a reasonable goal and a reasonable reason to start a podcast. People tend to like just casual banter amongst friends. So I think we should just give them what they need. And also, my friends are amazing. You are a case in point here. Former retired surgeon. That is true. That is true. Harvard graduate and star acapella singer. I mean, as are you. I mean, we're just, we're, we're royalty, in case anybody was curious. Royalty in the collegiate acapella uh, annals we? of history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we almost came runner-up once for some regional award, yeah, right? But I will tell you, I don't know if you've been... Have you been back to any reunions? I've been back to one of the callbacks reunions a while ago when we still lived in the U.S. And I've been to all my Harvard reunions because I... Okay. So Tony, I so to, Tony and I sang together yeah. in the Harvard callbacks, premier co-ed acapella group. Premier. Premier. And when Pitch Perfect came out and people were like, is it really like that? I was like, it's so much more... Yeah. insane and intense than that, if that's even <laughs> possible to imagine. Completely true. It was the best extracurricular I could have hoped for coming to college when I didn't know anything about acapella. And the first time I saw the callbacks or any acapella was when we had like our, our weekend where we visit to decide if we want to come to Harvard. And I saw them singing and I was like, what is, I was like asking people like, what, what, is, what is this? <laughs> And I was like, I got to be a part of it. But like, I never really sang in choirs or anything. Mm -hmm. I was just, I was like a shower singer and then I just hopped in and, and, and it, yeah, you joined the same year the as first you year too, right? Yeah. My, my first my year, sophomore year, 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 exactly. Year. So good. Well, I never sang. Well, I sang when I was younger and then I became afraid to sing in front of people and didn't think I was good enough. And so didn't sing for a long time. And then right. I went to not far from where you currently live in the north of England, mm -hmm. uh, which we'll get to. And uh, we were out at the pub every night. And I was, it was, I was 19. So legally old enough to drink in the UK, but not in the US. So, you know, they, they had this shot called Goldschlager, which had little pieces of gold flake in it, which I thought was very classy. I always and wonder about you know, safety with that, but... You're a doctor. Should, should I not have drank that? Tasted like cinnamon. And I it mean, gave me liquid courage. I got up yeah. and sang karaoke. 
And I got a lot of applause from a lot of very drunk English men. And then I went back to Harvard in the fall and I auditioned for an acapella group. <laughs> it only ta- it's, it's funny. It only takes a little bit, one shot, one might say, of, of courage to, to change your whole trajectory. So I'm so glad that you got drunk in England and came back singing. Me too, because we met, we sang together, mm-hmm. and it's been incredible to just watch what you have done with your career and your life since that time. And now people can read about it in your book, mm-hmm. which is extraordinary. And we're going to talk about that too. But the first thing I want to do is talk to you about where you're living. Tell me where you're living right now, Tony. So I am currently an expatriate of the United States. I live in Durham in England, um, which is <laughs> North Carolina, North, Northeast England, closer to Scotland than it is to London. So it is, it's, I mean, the pace is very different from any American big city. Uh, but we came out here because my wife, I mean, we're both, you know, dropouts of the medical community. I mean, mm. I used to be a surgeon, then I quit. And my wife used to be a nurse practitioner and she quit. And she always has loved Europe, always really has been an Anglophile, read, reads all the old English books and and likes British TV and all that stuff. And it was kind of always her dream to get here. So we just had to figure out how. And we we figured that through schooling was was a good way to way to try. So now she is a master's student in archaeology at the University of Durham. So cool. And Talk about a what if year. Yeah, no, it exa- absolutely. She is in her total what if year right now. And it is, she's loving it, man. Like, I'm just so happy to see how much she is enjoying life and enjoying this place. I mean, we're, it's kind of like small townish. And so we, we, we have like our grocers who we know by name and like this little shop that, you know, we know the owners and we go out to dinner with them and, you know, their kids like babysit our baby, you know, like it's a whole, Amazing. I've never lived in a place like this, but um, I'm super grateful for it. It's been such a blast. What are you finding the biggest differences between, this is a hilarious question. I say, as I'm asking it, Los Angeles, California and Durham, England, on the other hand, I mean, often put together in the same sentence. Yeah, no, people wonder about about that <laughs> uh, specifically, so I'm glad you brought it up. I think, you know, there's just two different worlds, man. I mean, I'm I'm kind of easygoing. I don't mind. I haven't really minded any place I've ever lived. Mm, and there's been many of them. There's been many. I've lived, you know, I've lived in I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I I lived in Cambridge, then I lived in Worcester, which we don't talk about, and Worcester, I lived yes. in Atlanta and Detroit and ended up most recently in Los Angeles. And, you know, I had no problem with it while I was there. But my wife, when she moved there, because I lived there when we were still before we got married, she hated and she hated like the idea of of Los Angeles Mm. before she came. So Los (laughs) Angeles didn't do her any favors, like it confirmed all the stuff that she disliked. But, you know, it's just hard it's harder to just live and do normal yeah. stuff. You know, like it's expensive. You can't, you can barely drive anywhere because traffic is worse than anywhere in the planet. And, you know, things are just not as accessible. And so, you know, coming here, you know, in this town where we barely drive unless it's to drive out, you know, sightseeing to the 
the to the coast or you know there's there's farmland like five minutes from yeah. us in any direction you know and like but mostly we're walking and you know eating locally and lo- all the locally grown foods and that sort of thing like and people are just so nice like they've been so kind to us just so neighborly in a way that we never experienced in LA wow like you could live next to people for 10 years and not know who they were but we had like our old neighbors like bringing us gifts for american thanksgiving cuz they Aww. thought that we'd be homesick and it was like really really adorable but that's just kind of the that's the vibe and it's yeah. just it's wonderful and it's a beautiful town i mean you've lived in a lot of very diverse cities durham as i recall is not the most diverse unless it's more diverse now than it used to be it is, is it that is, is that weird for you <laughs> No, I think, you know, it's very, it is very white. And uh, that's what I expected, you know, kind of coming here. We have a little bit, like not much diversity of, of race and culture due to the, the university being right. here, but a little bit, you know, but I'm, I'm the only black person for miles. And I know, <laughs> okay. And there was a, there was a, there was a time in my life earlier on when that might have bothered me or made me feel weird, but I've kind of, I mean, you know, I think I'm more secure in, in myself and, and my ability to create the kind of community and culture that I need nice. wherever I go. And so, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't mind it. It'd be nice to see a little more, you know, melanin in these streets, but yeah. you know, until then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll hold it down for us. And if, if anybody wants to visit or move here. Yeah, please. Will, Tony's begging. Yeah, no, it. I, I'll show you a good time and you'll fall in love and it'd be great. It's a great town. I've been there before. That's where I was on my very first few trips to the UK way back in the early 2000s. And, um, you know, the accent, Tony, is, is not the easiest to understand. So, uh, Geordie Shore was like a big show for a while, which was like Jersey Shore, I guess, but Geordie Shore. I think that's what it was called. I know it was called Geordie Shore. I think I saw it on Gogglebox one time. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, a lot of different words. So I wanted to give you a little, I wanted to give you a little quiz and see how well you were adapting to life. Yeah, in the I've been here about like nine months. So I think, you know, let's, let's try Let's see where I'm at. All right, so level one, easy stuff. Okay. Okay. You have a child with you uh-huh. in the UK. So uh-huh. when she needs a change, what do you call the thing that you're putting on her bottom? Oh, it's called a nappy. <laughs> yeah, we don't call them diapers over here. Do you yeah, call that's... it nappies at home? Because I always found that really weird. Oh, we just had, because that's what, it's one of the first words Pippa started saying. And so she knows, she's like, new nappy, when it's time to change. And I was like, oh, because that's what they teach her at nursery. So that's what we call them. And if we say- That's kind of great that she tells you that. That's like a self-cleaning oven, really. Yeah, it's hilarious. But yeah, you can't ask for diapers at the the grocery store. Like, it's just, you got to know the word, so. You have to know the word. And what, what is the- a contraption in which you might roll her down the street in? Good question. I believe there are several words for this here. Oh, oh. So we call it a, I mean, at home in the U.S., we call it a stroller. Correct. Here, we call it a buggy, and we also call it a pram. Oh, my God, Slay. Tony, you're, you've gone full native. <laughs> Come on. I'm very proud. I'm very proud. Oh, this feels so good. All right. All the lights are off. You've had a power outage. And so you need to grab 
a battery-operated device that's going to help you see better. Oh, yes. That would be a torch. Okay. All right. We're moving on to the advanced level. You're too good at this. I'm, I live <laughs> here. Guys, Just I'm just saying, a few months in, in Northern England and, you know, you are. you're native. It's great. Okay. okay. I would like level to know two. if you... Okay. This is this. I actually I had to look these up. I didn't know any of these. <laughs> Have you been called any of the following? A gadgie, a raggy, or a Bobby Dazzler? I will say no to all. Okay. I have never heard those words. <laughs> they sound great. But listen, I'll tell you, like, I think I've had it pretty easy with with like people I've interacted with and their accents, but I've gone out with some real Northerners. Like I went out the other night with some guys and I couldn't understand for the life of me anything they were saying. And I was, it wasn't even like the thing when you like get drunk and you, you like can understand more of a different language and that sort of thing. The more drunk I got, the worse I got at understanding. Cause it's just, you know, it's English, but you can't, it's it's so, ah, there's so much different. It's, it's amazing really. So no, I, I don't know what a Bobby does. Okay, so no one's going to call you a gadgie because that's an old man. And a raggy is a particularly aggressive person, which I also don't think anybody would call you. Okay, yeah, I probably wouldn't hear that. Yeah. But a Bobby Dazzler is something or someone excellent. Ooh. For example, It's like saying they're a real diamond. So I think you should try to use that in a sentence at some point. Call someone a Bobby Dazzler and try to get called that yeah, no, I'm going to go fishing for that <laughs> and just dazzle at as many times as I can and just see if people take the hint. This one I did love, which is when someone says, way I, man. Way I, way I. I I haven't really heard that. I mean, they, they say... Pro- actually, Tony, I'm sure someone said it to you at the pub. Drunk, yeah, they probably and did. And I was saying. just like smiling and nodding at them. Also, they if you're say, listening to this and I've said that wrong... <laughs> Too late, it's already done. But well, they say they say I a lot. I um, I uh, I man. Okay. Yeah. And the final the final one I have for you is clamming. Do you know what clamming means? I don't know clamming. This is a PG thirteen rated podcast, so I promise it's not anything oh dear. appropriate. What is what is clamming? It means it means very hungry. Ah. So did I teach you? I taught you something. I you know, think I taught everybody is, something. I I didn't think. Uh, this was an educational podcast, but here we are. Yeah. Because we're lifelong learners, we can't help ourselves. We are lifelong learners. You, du- you dug in deep for, for the for the Jordy slang, which is which is outstanding. Sure did. You did very well on that quiz. I actually really hey, enjoyed thanks. that. <laughs> <laughs> I had a similar experience when I first came to the UK. I had never. I'd only been abroad once or twice. It was summer after my freshman year of college. I was volunteering up in the Northeast, about 10 miles outside of Durham in a place called Stanley for the summer. And mm-hmm. flew overnight, didn't sleep, got on the train from London, didn't sleep. And immediately I get in at like three o'clock in the afternoon and they're like, right, we're going to the pub. Yes. And I, people <laughs> were telling me all kinds of stories. And that's where I perfected the smile and nod, which has served me very well in the UK. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine like... I mean, maybe it wasn't as jarring a transition moving to Scotland, but it's there's totally different slang, totally different words, like all that stuff. Like especially if you're talking to to folks who are from those streets, like oh, yeah. it is a different world, man. I love it. 
It's been funny. I, jo- I was telling you, I joined this choir, Keeping Up the Singing Life. Also, this is part of my continued what-if experiences. And uh, Wait, did your choir have a jaunty name? Called the Bohemians. That's that's jaunty enough. Pretty like jaunty. It. Yeah. Pretty jaunty. <laughs> and we are singing, <laughs> we're singing a song by the Proclaimers, famous Edinburgh duo, 500 Miles. Everybody knows it, the I Would Walk 500 Miles yeah. song. Yeah, yeah. And we're singing it, and the music director is like, don't be afraid to be proudly Scottish when you sing this song and use your Scottish accents to sing it. And so I tried to be like hundred miles and people were like, that sounds nothing. Like you sound Spanish. You don't sound Scottish at all. Don't do that. (laughs) But guess what? We're also singing Oklahoma. So I have the upward hand there. Oh my gosh. I can do a BIO better than almost any Scottish person. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. I'm so excited that you're, that you're in that group. I thought you were going to tell me that you guys were called the Bobby Dazzlers. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. I actually might start something. Maybe I'm going to change the name of this podcast completely. (laughs) Bobby Dazzler. There is loads of fun, but it is, it is funny. And actually, you know, I had this question for you. I just finished your book, which was so beautiful. And we, you know, we shared a lot of similar experiences having memoirs coming out at the same time, not necessarily in life, was not a doctor, at any point, was not a TV writer. I've never had blood spurting out on me on Grey's Anatomy and all of those great things that you've done. But I did sort of go through this period in my life. I had some epiphanies and I made some resolutions that I shared with everybody who's read my book at the end of the book. And so sometimes now that it's been, you know, the book's been done for over a year, it's out in the world. But sometimes it's like a struggle of still trying to live the life that I promised everybody I was going to be living Mm -hmm. at the end of that book, you know, without spoiling it for everybody, which we won't do. You also get to some resolutions at the end of your book. How are you feeling now, post-publication, post-having written it? I don't know actually when you finished the writing of it. You know, do you find it tricky to still try to live by those promises to yourself that you set out? I think as far as, because, yeah, I mean, both of our books are kind of, they're kind of coming of age books, right? And, you know, just just kind of different experiences, different time frames in her life. But that's, I mean, how I very much related to your book. I was like, she's asking herself a lot of the, the questions I recognize, you know? Mm. And as far as the, the where I end up at the end of the book um, and kind of having kind of a new way of looking at my life and who I can be and what I can achieve. I think that I I definitely feel that I've gone on to embody that over the years since the timeline of that book ended because I end mm. that book kind of at the end of my training in the year after. And it's been like seven or eight years since then. And so... Not since you finished the writing though, but since no, no, character no, no. Tony finished since the... Character Tony finished his journey <laughs> in my book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I finished the writing of it last year. Yeah. And honestly, like the experiences since I finished residency and the ways I've tried to kind of take myself to task to improve, you know, myself and my life helped me to write the book much better. Yeah. Because there were a lot of things that I had to to acknowledge a lot of things I had to fight through and and recognize a lot of things I had to talk with my therapist about and Mm. really get to the bottom of so that I could write about them from a more objective place as an author and inject emotion into them without feeling it myself and that not having my 
lack of resolution, you know, paint, you know, how I wrote it. And so, you know, I'm so grateful for all these years where I've just kept pushing it. It hasn't just been me. I mean, it's been the people closest to me. I mean, I credit my wife, you know, more than anybody with kind of just demanding more of me, you know, Mm -hmm. demanding better of me. And then I, you know, it helps me demand better of myself. So I think, you know, as far as that part of the journey goes, I've I've tried and I know I'm, I continue to try, you know, to be as good as I can, as I can manage and, and keep pushing myself past kind of the limitations I kind of spent a lifetime Amazing. building for myself. You know, the time that we spent the most time together, we were babies, you know, yeah. 1920, but you <laughs> always had this just very positive, you know, open kind of larger than life persona, I think. And so I learned some things about you that I didn't know in reading the book. I also had that experience with my book. A lot of people coming to me and saying, you know, I didn't know you were feeling that way at this time or that that had happened. Mm -hmm. What were you the most nervous about putting out there for people to read? Well, it's funny. I wasn't really nervous about sharing kind of intimate details about my life. Mm-hmm. That was a decision I made before I wrote it. I was like, all right, we're going to get into it. And if I come out kind of looking like an asshole a lot of the time, then then that's it, you know, because I was. And so, <laughs> so I wasn't worried about how I would come across, but mm-hmm. I was concerned with how some of the people I described uh, might come across. And mm-hmm. I, it was I was just like, you know, I have to write about my experiences with them, you know, from a place of, honesty and 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 caring even though you know these were relations a lot of the time there were relationships that didn't work out or or kind of were were really toxic to yeah. both of us um and that's you know relationships within my family and romantic relationships I've had and, and all that sort of stuff and so you know what I was thinking about was how do I write this without trying to make anyone look bad. You know, like that's not my intention and I don't want that to be what comes across. And I want to make sure that I look just as grimy and dirty as they do. You know what I mean? I <laughs> yeah. thought that was like step one, but, you know, disguising folks adequately so that the average person wouldn't know who they were mm-hmm. and hoping I did that well enough. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was assured by my lawyers at the publishing house that I'd done enough to not get sued by anybody. Um, Youth! But yeah, they were just like, you won't get sued, but you got to be okay if like some folks are like kind of upset. Has anybody reached out to you since the book came out that was like in the book and maybe didn't know they were going to be in it or? Yeah, actually one one person who didn't know they were in the book at all, who I haven't spoken to in years, reached out to me kind of the second week the book came out because mm-hmm. uh, she, had, she had seen that I had been posting about, she saw it in a bookstore and just flipped through and 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 you know, wasn't expecting to see a story about her. In right. There. Like had no idea that, you know, what actually ended up being like a really formative and difficult experience for her was actually informative and difficult for me as well. Yeah. She just assumed it was a blip on everyone's radar, but hers. And so, you know, we hadn't spoken in a very long time. I mean, it's kind of a friendship I've always wished we'd still had. But she reached out and wrote me this really long, kind email. Um, It was just so wonderful. And I hadn't, like, there hadn't been a point since the book had come out where I'd really just felt gratitude for having, you know, gone through this journey um, so that I could get to this point where it reaches somebody and, and, you know, they can assure me that 
the way I told that story, you know, of course, it's the way I experienced it, but the mm. way I told that story was cathartic for them to see and validating for them to see, which was really wonderful. So yeah, that was a really, really important moment for me. That's beautiful. And you haven't gotten sued yet. So that's a win. Yeah, not yet. No, I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of <laughs> kicking back, waiting for the call. But I think, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I've heard, you know, from a lot of people who who are in the book and knew they always would be. And, you know, it's, you know, lots of really positive stuff from them. Having, a lot of the book takes place in, in my residency training mm-hmm. for ENT surgery in Detroit. And a lot of the folks who've gone through it with me have reached out. But none of my bosses, who I'm very hard on, <laughs> have reached out at all. And they've known this book's been coming for years. But I'm very curious about what their thoughts That's are. That's so funny. I'm working on a novel <laughs> right now. And there's a character, Ooh. I say loosely, but very much based on a previous boss I had. And I said something to Carlos at some point. I was like, I wonder what so-and-so will think when they read the about the book. And they were like, and Carlos said, oh, that's cute that you think that they're actually going to read anything that you wrote. <laughs> so I think, I think I'm safe. <laughs> that that may be, that may be the case too on my end. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll see how we'll it shakes see what, out. By the time this podcast comes out, let's see what's happened. I know. Right. <laughs> but the book, the book is, I can't save you. It is beautiful. You know, hearing Tony speak about it so eloquently is just a snippet of what you'll get as a reader at the risk of reopening this discussion we had before we started recording about this kind of feeling after a book comes out and you promote it and then you're like, wait, what do I do now? What's next for you, Tony? (laughs) Yeah, no, great question. So like I said earlier, I am no longer practicing surgeon. I left that life behind and then went on to become a television writer. And so television writing, I just... I just can't believe it's something I get to do. It's it's so wonderful. And I love telling stories in that way. But, you know, currently, hopefully not by the time this podcast comes out, but currently the writers are all on strike. And we mm. have been for about two months. So we are, you know, fighting for just fair pay and all this stuff and just ways to secure our jobs for the future. And you know, I just love being in a union. I've never been in one before. It's just like, I'm, I'm real jazzed up <laughs> It is a very this, British but... thing also to be in a union. So oh, that, yeah. They love their unions right and their protests and all that stuff. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to get down with that. But yeah, since we're we're not allowed to share our writing with anybody at the moment, I'm doing my best to stay busy and, and come up with brand new ideas and write those scripts. There's going to hopefully be an adaptation of of my book that I'm getting the chance to write uh, for TV. Um, So I'm working on that too. Who knows? That may die on the vine or it may become something. Um, So we're just, uh, you just do your best and, and see where it goes. So just trying to stay motivated. Amazing. Right now. Tony, thank you so much for coming on this journey with me, the extra shot. We we really have been a lot of places today. I'm so grateful yeah, for sure, you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so grateful for you. And please, everybody who's listening, pick up I Can't Save You if you haven't already read it. If you have, buy another copy. Why not? Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Yeah. Tell your enemies. Tell yes, anybody. all of them. Yeah, tell Just them all. Just pick it up. And then, yeah, y'all can follow me on, on, the, on, the, on the internet things. You can find, uh, yeah, what Instagram? What, you what search, is it? What's it called? Yeah, again? <laughs> you search, you search my name on Instagram, Tony Chinku. You'll find me there, and same. And thing. his amazing TikToks, dance videos, acapella <laughs> singing. 
I'm just kidding. I, do you have TikTok? I don't have. I don't one. have TikTok. No TikTok. That's one thing I have not been. A- Apparently, uh, but the book is being advertised on TikTok, and there's a lot of content on there that I recorded that I've never seen. So, <laughs> you know, if you want to do a deep dive into your boy, TikTok uh, could be a place. Amazing. Well, send us <laughs> any screenshots of Tony on TikTok. I like don't even know how it works. Send us a tick, a talk, whatever. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, I need some 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 19-year-olds to show me how how all this stuff works. But Tony, you're the best. Thank you for coming on today. <laughs> Thank you. It's been such a blast. Thanks so much for tuning in today to Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez Miranda. A special shout out to the team at Texture Sound for all their support. If you're in the mood for more of me, pick up a copy of my What If Year, which is out now in bookstores everywhere. Sign up for my mailing list on aliciafmiranda.com or find me on Instagram at aliciafmiranda. I can promise news, views, and memes about Gilmore Girls. If you have feedback, ideas for upcoming segments, burning questions, things you need advice on, please reach out. And otherwise, we'll catch you on the next Extra Shot. Extra Shot.